from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Um, we do get inflation data, actually related to the Fed as well, right? Inflation data on Friday, the Fed's preferred inflation measure, which is the core PCE, the core personal consumption expenditures index. So that'll be interesting for May, uh, but really the, it's all about the Fed. Jeff, Father's Day is in the books. How did Father's Day treat you in 2021? Really well, thanks, Ryan. Uh, uh, I, I got some cheesecake from the wife uh, shipped from New York. It was delicious, and I can tell you it's not going to last very long. Well, that sounds good. It's funny, right before we started recording this, you and Neil, our producer, said I had something white on my cheek. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. And you're giving me a hard time. You said it was those donuts. Emily bought me some donuts yesterday for Father's Day. But I swear I did not have any donuts this morning. So I don't. I didn't shower and everything today. So I don't know what that was. But thank you for letting me know because we do record this podcast. But yeah, everybody, thanks for being here to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast with Ryan and Jeff. Uh, yeah, Father's Day down here with the Dietrich family was fun. Emily got me some um, donuts in the morning, Dunkin' Donuts. I'll be honest, they're not my favorite, but hey, it, it, was, it was still a nice way to wake up in the morning. Um, then we did uh, got some barbecue, went and saw a movie, saw that Peter Rabbit 2, yeah, whatever. I got a little nap during the middle of it, let's just say that much. It's first movie theater I've been to, obviously, like everything else, in 16, 17 months. Um, so that was kind of fun. Came home, took a little bit of second nap, then woke up and went and had ice cream for dinner. I said, you know what, let's just do I wasn't super hungry. So I had a ton of barbecue. Max Speed Shop. If you ever get down to Charlotte, check it out. There's a few of them. It's really, really good. Um, maybe not as good as your KC stuff you grew up on, Jeff. But I think it's pretty good. And uh, uh, I've been to Max. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You have. Yeah, I'm a fan. Um, it's like the vibe in there. But anyway, and then went and had the big some ice cream for dessert, uh, dinner, and and called it a Father's Day. So I know I know you had a treat though, right? I mean, what what, what did you munch on again yesterday? Yes, yeah, cheesecake uh, from Juniors in New York. That uh, I, I love cheesecake. So mm-hmm. um, you know, Debbie knew that that was a, a slam dunk of gift. knew knew that was going to be a hit. Now, what, what flavor was it? You sent me a picture of it. What flavor was it? I'm sure they have every flavor, but what, what was sure. yours? Yeah, um, it's it was strawberry, yep. but it had these like graham cracker crumb type things on the top in addition to the crust. So, uh, man, it was good. In fact, I might have to yeah, have a late was- breakfast after we're done recording this and go have a little bit more. Just so everybody knows, we record this at 10, 10, 15, 10, 30 or so, give or take. And um, just talking about this stuff, yeah, my stomach is going to start growling. My stomach's going to make an appearance on this podcast, I think, uh, before long. But yeah, thanks to um, all the dads out there. We hope everybody had an awesome Father's Day weekend, Father's Day Sunday. And um, you know, I know what I did and Jeff did and the whole LPL research team did. So we're going to get right into it, though, Jeff, this week on the LPL Market Signals podcast. We're going to talk about a couple different things. We're going to do a Fed review, kind of the Fed, I guess you could say, shook things up a little bit last week. We're going to do a fun, what does the Fed say? Um, Global earnings estimates have been revised significantly higher. So there are some worries out there with the Fed, but, and even some of the recent economic data, I've got some stats that haven't been, they've been solid, but not spectacular, but earnings have been really good. Then we're going to finish things up with um, why we downgraded technology here at LPL Research. We've been fans of tech for a long time. Now, let's be clear, we downgraded to neutral, so it's not like we're you know, saying abandoned ship here, uh, but we're gonna talk a little bit about that. But Jeff, first things first, on the YouTube channel, 
using all of my many skills, I took a image of the what does the Fox say book, and I made it what does the Fed say with Jerome Powell's face. I'm sure he's very proud that I did this to him. Uh, Jerome's foul, Jerome Powell's face on the Fox. So what did the Fed say, Jeff? I'll, I'll go to you in a second here. I didn't think they did anything different, all right? It seemed like they changed the statement just briefly. Yes, the dot plots, which is what caused so much of the commotion, said there's going to be two hikes in 2023. It was widely expected only to be one hike in 2023. I guess that's what did it because late last week, Thursday and Friday, anything related to cyclical uh, value was hammered. Technology, which does a little bit better in a weaker economic growth environment, uh, like we saw last year, for instance, technology was the only group that was higher last week. We've had a weekend to think about it and a few, a little bit more. What did the Fed say? To quote the, I was going to sing the "What Does the Fox" song say, but maybe not now. What did the Fed say? Yeah, it took me long enough to get that song out of my head when it was popular. So yeah, don't don't bring it back. I think it was 2013, though. I think it was 2013. So it was a good bull market. So you know what? That's what we got to put up with for 30% gains. I guess that's what we got to do. But anyway, what what, what did the Fed say? (laughs) With every taper tantrum, you bring back that song. Um, So, you know, I I agree with you, Ryan, that the the Fed just moved closer to where the market already was, right? It's very hard to find somebody who doesn't think the Fed is going to start hiking rates in 2023, although certainly there are a number of folks that think maybe it's coming in late 2022. The the Fed just steered the market that way, maybe a little bit faster than it thought. But in general, um, you know, this shouldn't change people's outlooks here for when the Fed will start uh, hiking rates. And similarly, uh, when they're going to start to taper, remember, first they have to taper the bond purchases, 120 billion a month, then they're probably going to wait close to a year uh, before they um, start hiking rates. So, you know, we still got a couple of years to go for this to to play out. But um, frankly, it, it shouldn't have surprised the market too much. And, um, you know, you could really put it simply as, um, you know, the, the Fed just moved to where the market already was. Now, we have a morning call every day with our more than 18,000 LPL advisors. And you pointed that out just a little bit ago that, the Fed kind of went to where the futures were expecting things to be. But again, it's all about how the market um, reacts to things. And the other reaction, I guess, Jeff, that caught me off guard and probably a lot of other people off guard uh, was the 10-year yield initially spiked on Wednesday after the Fed meeting. But then Thursday, Friday, it, it moved lower beneath that, I guess we want to call it psychological level of 150. Um, you know, with a little more time to think about it. Well, maybe for a second, I'll say this much, but what I think it might be the next slide, maybe. Let's see here. Here we go. So I'm going to show this a short term rates vote. Yes. OK, so short term rates, they spiked higher. All right. They 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 went higher um, the two year, the five year. But the longer term rates, your 10 year and your 30 year yields, those actually went lower. And that had a flattening of the yield curve. And I guess the, the bond guys call that a bear flattening yield curve. And to keep this relatively simple, that's the bond market's way of saying that's not really the one you want to see. That's almost like there's some economic problems, potentially economic slowdown, whatever, whatever it might be. Now, this is very short term. Um, but, you know, what, what was your take kind of on the action from the, what the bond market slash um, yeah, bond market slash yield curve had to say about this? Yeah, I mean, what's the market worried about right now? It's runaway inflation. Yep. And so if. The bond market, you know, a lot of people think is smarter than the stock market. 
So we really care a lot. We care what the stock market thinks, but we really care a lot about what the bond market thinks about inflation. And what is the bond market telling us? It's telling us that inflation will not get out of control. Yeah. Because, um, you know, the 10-year yield dropping suggests that, well, hopefully sometime in the next year or two, but certainly within that 10-year window, uh, the Fed will contain inflation. So in a, it's kind of counterintuitive, but in a way, um, the, moving this rate hike up increases the odds that the Fed keeps inflation under control, which then pushes the 10-year yield down. So, you know, that seems logical to me. Uh, maybe the, you know, so the bad news is we're going to get a hike in the next year or two, but, you know, the good news is the, the Fed's not going to lose control. At least it doesn't appear they will at this point. Oh, absolutely. I guess, you know, is that bad news? I mean, I guess we'll <laughs> stay tuned. Um, you know, I, I took a look a couple months ago and there was talk about a Fed rate hike. And even then we knew it'd be like 2023, 2024. But what happens after the first rate hike in a new cycle of higher rates? And, and you know, maybe we'll dive a little bit more in next week. I'm just going by memory here. But the returns six months to a year later after that first hike are perfectly fine. In fact, a little bit stronger than average returns. Again, that's kind of more of a normalcy, right? You tend to see the rate hikes early in the economic cycle of growth, nothing to be overly concerned with, and you tend to have uh, strength. Now, just a couple, I don't know, let's see, we'll, we'll call it either highlights or lowlights, I guess, depending on how you how you look at this thing, um, about the Fed, 13 out of 18 voting members, it was seven back in March, now see at least one hike by um, 20, end of 2023, seven out of 18, now see the first hike taking place in 2022. And the big one that the media ran with was the median dot plots now suggest two rate hikes in 2023. It was widely expected to be only one rate hike, and that's what led to that big um, decline in cyclical value specifically. We, they did upgrade the economy. They upgraded inflation. Neither of those things, I don't think, were um, overly, overly surprising. And the Fed continues to say that inf inflation is uh, transitory and likely we still expect to see tapering announced probably sometime over the next couple of months with tapering actually starting December or January. So again, was the Fed really so hawkish or just the way the market took it? I, I think it's more that, like you said, the Fed just kind of came in line with the market. Uh, Jeff, any final comments on the Fed before we kind of um, move forward, I guess? Yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, this this inflation is transitory story is holding up, yeah. right? I mean, uh, we just got what might be peak inflation fear, and uh, at least in the markets. And what have, what have you seen, right? You've seen yields fall. You've seen commodity prices fall, right? Which is signaling contained inflation, just like lower interest rates are signaling the same. So... Um, we really, you know, kind of passed a test here, I would say. And um, I think the markets, you know, the S&P 500 is within a percent or two of all-time highs. The Nasdaq's pretty much at an all-time high. I think you uh, have to say the market's comfortable right now. Yeah, no, great, great points there. Um, you know, I will say higher inflation, like you just kind of hinted at, probably shouldn't surprise anyone. We talked about that in our weekly market commentary, which by the time people listen to this, you can view that on LPL.com to scroll down a little bit where it says weekly market commentary. Um, if you just look at simply Google search for the word inflation, Google has data back to 2004, which I believe was their IPO. So probably not a coincidence. And not surprisingly, what we saw back in March, just, I'm sorry, May, just recently, 
was one of the high, the highest level ever, right? The highest level of inflate of searches for the word inflation, CPI, highest level since you know 2008 or 1992, depending if you look at the core or the headline. Um, inflation's been very, very high across the board. Shouldn't be a surprise if you go to the pump, you go to the gas station, or that's the same thing. You go to the pump or you go to the grocery store, a little bit higher prices there as well. Jeff, you know, we did talk about something that's called the sticky CPI, and I want to keep this kind of high level for the podcast, but Tell me a little bit about sticky CPI, what we talked about in the weekly market commentary and why it's maybe, you know, just maybe telling a different story than some of the other inflation data we're seeing. Yeah, it's from the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. They, they take the components of inflation that tend to be more stable over time. So if you see an increase in those stable prices, that tells you that you're more likely to see a sustained increase in inflation. Right. Whereas something that, you know, like oil prices that can move around a lot, that's not sticky, right? Can go way up, can go way down, moves a lot month to month. Um, and it doesn't necessarily tell you anything about where inflation is going, you know, in the in the months ahead. So um, sticky inflation, which is around 2.6% right now, uh, that's still well within the Fed's comfort zone, maybe even a little bit higher. They said they're going to let the economy run hot. Um, and uh, but that one's an important one to watch because if that does get north of three and stay there for a couple months, that'll definitely get the Fed's tension and cause us to be a little bit more concerned. Yeah, I mean, two point six percent year over year sticky CPI is as high as it was since twenty twenty, just last year. So again, showing a little bit of a different uh, backdrop. And we're going to there's a slide coming up that takes a look at the final four teams in the NBA because as we all know. I have a horrible track record with sports teams. I'm going to give everyone an advantage by letting you know who I think will win, and then you should sprint the other way. But I will say that Atlanta Hawks team, you mentioned Atlanta, that's something about when you can win when your superstar has a really off day. That's a, that's a team that I might pick here in a little bit. We'll just, you have to stay tuned. But before we go further, Jeff, I do want to quote the great, what does the Fox song say? Here's a good line. Ring, ding, ding, dinger, ding, ding. Gring, ding, 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 dinger, ding, ding, gring, ding, 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 dinger, ding, ding. What does the fox say? Wa, pa, 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 wa, pa, 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 wa, pa, 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 What does the fox say? So that's the song. What does the fox say? <laughs> we just had a fun segment. What does the Fed say? So, Jeff, let's move forward. Oh, it's the very next slide. I didn't realize that. Okay, we're moving forward. Good segue, I guess. Uh, call it who you got. So there's four. This is interesting. If you look at the YouTube channel, but I'll explain it to people who aren't looking at it. Um, the remaining playoff teams. So congrats to all of them. You've got uh, Phoenix, LA Clippers, Atlanta, and then Milwaukee Bucks came through. In terms of who won a championship or last time, the Suns have never won a championship. The Clippers have never won a championship. The Atlanta Hawks have never won one since they've been Atlanta, but I guess they did one, win one when they were called St. Louis. You had to go back to 1971, which I'm pretty sure Oscar Robertson went to the University of Cincinnati, a town I lived a long time in, uh, 1971 for the Bucks. I already let the cat out of the bag. I'm saying Atlanta. They're kind of the close team down here. They're not in the South, so I'm giving my curse to all the, the Hawks fans. I'm really sorry, but when you can win, when um, Trey Young has a terrible game, not terrible, it's all relative. I could, <laughs> couldn't show, should have called it terrible. He had an off day for him for sure, and they still won. I'm taking them. Jeff, have you had much time to think about the NBA playoffs? I mean, that's why I went first. I know you didn't know I was going to ask you this. Who, who are you taking? Because I just jinxed the Hawks. <laughs> They're going to get swept now. Sorry. Um, who do you think is going to win it? Uh, well, I, I guess um... – 
I got to go with Phoenix because mm-hmm. um, my my parents spend their winters down there, and uh, they actually go to quite a few of the games. So that's cool. that's where I go. Um, but I tell you, this is tough. There's a lot of parity, I think, in this Final Four. So I could I could see uh, see it going a number of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a long-suffering Bengals fan, as I've mentioned once or twice, the idea that a team that never really wins anything gets to win something to me is pretty appealing. So I, I'm just happy any of the four, any of the four get to do it because they've obviously struggled um, at least winning championships. I mean, you know, some of those teams have been pretty good over the years, but winning it's a different thing. So anyway, let, let's, uh, let's move forward, Jeff. It's, I want to talk to you a little bit about portfolios because here at LPL, the way you help are more than 18,000 advisors. You're one of a portfolio equity strategist, portfolio manager on our team. We've had what we're going to call a rough spot for diversified portfolios. We like to talk about, you know, stay diversified stocks, bonds, maybe a little bit of gold, maybe a little bit of cash, maybe some real estate, whatever it is, just stay diversified over a long period of time. That hasn't worked so well, Jeff. Lately, past call it two weeks or so, we've seen a period where when stocks are down, bonds are down. And normally, again, there's no such thing as, you know, everything can be different. You see different periods. But lately, it's been when stocks have been down, bonds haven't been doing as well. And you haven't had that diversification, uh, so to speak. They're almost coming together. And this is rare. You know, again, we're showing on the YouTube channel kind of how rare indeed this really is. It, it, it's rare to see this. Uh, what's your take on kind of what we're seeing now? And will it go back to normal where they kind of go inversely related? Or what, what does it all mean to you? as a portfolio manager here. Yeah, it it makes sense when you think about the taper tantrum in 2013, right? And some of these other bond market sell-offs where you've had, you know, stocks following the bond market down, essentially. Um, you know, we certainly don't expect this sell-off to be dramatic in, in stocks and bonds, but, um, you know, certainly bonds don't provide a lot of protection right now. When stocks drop, you know, yields can go down, but you know, when you're this close to zero, <laughs> frankly, um, or in this case, we're really, you know, getting closer to 1%, you know, you're not going to get these massive declines in yields uh, that can help you really offset stock market losses. So it's a reason to be overweight stocks relative to bonds, which is what we're recommending uh, for our clients. And, um, you know, eventually we'll normalize yields will go higher and they'll become a little bit of a better bargain offering folks more income. It's just going to take time. We've, of course, been waiting for that for essentially a decade. Uh, maybe it'll take another two or three years, but you know, eventually we think we'll get to a 3% 10-year again, for example, where that income starts to look pretty attractive. Yeah, I think it's just the price of admission, right? You do want to stay diversified over the long term. You, I like, I've heard someone explain it like this, you know, bonds help you stay in your stocks because when bad times happen, bonds tend to do better. But what helps you create more, just about as much wealth as you're going to do on a long-term basis, right? It's equities, right? It stocks up like nine, 10% a year on average, going back a long time, bonds up five or 6% on average, you know, but again, when the rocky times happen, bonds help you stay in equities. And that's kind of one of the, the great diversifiers that they bring. But again, lately it hasn't been working, but again, we still think it makes a lot of sense, but it's just really unique to point out how rough, if you kind of feel like, man, looking at your portfolio and everything's kind of just not working here recently, potentially, or you're not getting the diversification you thought you should be getting. Don't feel bad. Don't feel alone. Don't feel like you're the only one. That is exactly what we're seeing happening out there uh, just recently. Now, Jeff, the second thing we wanted to talk about uh, this week in the LPL Market Signals podcast, I'll let you uh, do this. You you talked about this on Thursday, I think. We do what we call Global Thursday with our advisors where we take a look at a global theme. And you took a look at earnings, right? We've talked a ton 
Well, U.S. earnings are up. Just, I mean, I, we ran out of adjectives describing the most recent earnings season and how strong things came in relative to expectations. But the good news is this is not just a U.S. theme. This is a global theme. And I'll just say this much. U.S. earnings started the year at 18%. Now we're looking at earnings up this, this year, 2021, to be up as much as 35%. Those are some impressive numbers. But Jeff, just tell me how impressive were developed international and emerging markets, because they're telling a similar story. Yeah, I mean, the U.S. earnings get all the attention, right? Everybody's talking about, uh, you know, we started the year, you know, 170 in, in S&P profit, 500 profits this year in uh, dollars per share. And now, you know, a lot of folks think 200 is a possibility. Our current forecast is $190 uh, dollars a share, but we're biased to take that higher. So there's been tremendous momentum in, in terms of the um, revisions to estimates in the U.S. And of course, the 35% is really strong, but look at the international and uh, emerging markets. So international is mostly Europe, uh, but also a good chunk of Japan. Uh, it's the same story and even stronger earnings growth expected. Um, so this is another reason why we've warmed up. There's several, but another reason why we've warmed up to developed international stocks, especially Europe. Um, they are moving past the pandemic. They're a little behind us, but they're moving past it. And they're seeing a really sharp earnings rebound this year, maybe are uh, expected to this year, maybe kind of similar to what we experienced last quarter. <clears throat> and then emerging markets actually, you know, they move past the pandemic a little faster. Although of course there's varying levels of success, but there we could end up seeing, you know, north of 40% earnings growth this year. So this suggests staying globally diversified, or if you're not already globally diversified, getting there because there's a lot of earnings strength coming uh, outside the US. Absolutely. And you think about, you know, from a global stock market perspective, just year to date returns, you know, S&P, I'm going by memory, I think we're up like, you know, 12%, 13%, give or take for the year. We had a little bit of a sell off on Friday. So we'll just call it up upwards of low uh, double digit returns year to date. Majority of European countries as of now are actually up a little bit more. Sweden, I mean, if you want to you know, do a little bit of a fun quiz with your friends, Sweden's one of the strongest performing stock markets so far this year. Um, so some definite strength there. And I think the key concept, which you talked about, Jeff, is we know the playbook, right? The playbook is, you know, over time, you get enough vaccines in people's arms, economies open up, economic data is really strong. We're seeing that in the U.S. And it's um, kind of a second half of the year story potentially here for uh, for, for Europe. And, it, and then we're starting to see that in the very strong earnings uh, that were taking that are taking place. Uh, Jeff, we talked about developed international a few weeks ago on the podcast. You know, we haven't liked it for the most part, I'm going to say, been underweight for the five years I've been at LPL. Now we're kind of more even weight developed in emerging markets. Um, do you think this trend is going to stick, that the developed will continue to kind of outperform emerging markets like we've seen recently? Or what's your feel there? Yeah, I'd say the odds of that are good. Um, we have a slight bias to developed international over emerging markets. You know, when you're going to see this synchronized global economic expansion, Right, it's, it's a rising tide that's going to lift all boats. It makes sense to buy the ones that are further, you know, further behind, right? These sort of earlier cycle countries, and so that's you know largely Europe. There's some emerging market countries that are behind too. Brazil is an obvious one. So maybe Brazil can do better than the developed international marketplace. But um, generally, you know, Europe is um, uh, you know a little bit behind the U.S. and uh, Japan's actually a little bit behind too. Uh, earlier cycle countries, we think, can do a little bit better 
than broad emerging markets and maybe better than the U.S. as well in the second half of the year. Yeah, no, very interesting. And speaking of the rest of the year, we are we we probably put the finishing touches on our mid-year outlook over the next month or so. We're going to talk a lot about that here at LPL Research. We see how many hours it takes combined. I don't even know hundreds, easily hundreds. Um, but we we wrote it. Jeff wrote it. My, I wrote it. Barry Gilbert wrote some of it. Uh, Lawrence Gillum, who's been on the podcast uh, just last week, actually. Um, we all wrote the our sections of the mid-year outlook, and we'll talk a lot more about that over the coming weeks. I think we're looking to release that around <clears throat> middle of July or so, so if everything goes well. And I think we're supposed to see it. Have you seen the imagery yet, Jeff? I haven't. Have you seen a hint of it yet? I have not. In fact, I was going to check in on that today. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think Barry has. I get the impression Barry has seen seen it, but um, he's been real quiet about it. But it should be awesome. It's always really exciting. It's exciting that we write it right, but our friends in marketing communications do such an amazing job of putting it all together to make it just uh, look really really awesome. I guess is the word I'll use. Whose palms did Barry grease? I want to know uh, what. It, how does he get it? Nobody else. Uh, yeah, he seemed to have a clue. I, I don't know now. We're going to do something a little different here. So what do they call me? So, Jeff, I'm going to stand up and literally change my shirt right now. So no one saw this coming. So, Jeff, maybe I'll ask you a question, and then you can talk while I, while I do this. So I've got a funny Father's Day thing I wanted to share with everybody. Let's go back to that developed international. So we've said before that a weaker U.S. dollar potentially is a tailwind for international investors. The dollar, we didn't talk about this. Let's, you can go this route for the minute or so that I'm changing my shirt. The dollar got stronger after the Fed meeting, right? After the Fed decision, dollar was stronger. So maybe that says you don't want to globally diversify quite as much. Jeff, I'm going to stand up and change here in a second. Why don't you dig in on that? And I'll be right back. All right. Yeah, I did not have any warning this was coming. So this will be uh, interesting to see. Um so you're right, Ryan, that the, a strong dollar does you know, trim returns for international stocks for U.S. investors because uh, those profits are immediately translated over uh, into fewer dollars. Uh, but there's an offsetting factor there because that puts international exporters in a better competitive position, right? The essentially takes the cost of their imports imports into the U.S., exports out of Europe, for example, takes those prices down. Um, there's a lag effect certainly there. It takes time for prices to adjust and for buyers to adjust to those uh, lower prices. But, um, you know, the, the weaker, uh, the stronger dollar actually ends up being um, a little bit of a positive for international uh, exporters. So sure, in the short term, that is a little bit of a headwind. But, you um, uh, frankly, the you know, European markets have done quite well despite that, and have um, you know maybe that's the market seeing that um, you know those, for example, European exporters are going to get some uh, uh, some benefit from that. The, the stronger dollar is a um, you know it's a it's a tightening of financial conditions that's kind of consistent with um, the market getting a little bit more worried about the Fed. So it's not surprising, but once the market gets comfortable. With the Fed, we would expect the, you know, those longer-term drivers of the dollar to take over, and we'll probably have, uh, you know, with these massive twin deficits, uh, budget and trade, downward pressure on the dollar over time. All right, I am ready, Jeff. Thank I you. I filled enough time. You you did a good job here. All right. Let's go. See my. Sh 
the chef chef shirt all right now like everything there's a little story behind it so during the covid when covid hit i'm home a little bit more cooking for the boys the boys the boys have always called me pop i don't know why i think they saw some cartoon they'll call me they call me dad sometimes you know but they started calling me pop all right and then I started becoming a chef because I was the one who was cooking a lot of their food during COVID. And as you know, I've got the smoker and I enjoy cooking. I mean, I, you know, I don't really mind it. So long story short, I've transformed into Chef Pop. And I'm serious. Like, we'll be in public. All right. And like my boys are like, hey, chef. And they're talking to me. because They just call me chef. It's just like a how do nicknames happen? I don't even know. So my wife and I'm going to move this back again. You guys look at one more time. Yes, sir. You can only see it on YouTube channel. It's like the image of what is this? Michael Michael Jordan, right? Jumping, but it's a chef jumping, and it says chef. So that's the shirt that she got me. And when when Emily gave it to me yesterday for Father's Day, I was excited. The kids all lit up. It was it was pretty funny. So anyway, so I am Chef Pop. So for the remainder of this podcast, I will wear my chef shirt, and um, I think I maybe put some pictures of me uh, smoking some meats in my chef shirt in the coming coming uh coming days weeks and months is there any nickname because again chef's a goofy nickname any nickname your kids call you jeff that um you want to share <laughs> with with thousands of people <laughs> yes uh this is family show now really i i've just been i've just been bookie um you know that's what my a lot of my friends call me um the kids don't use that term though it's pretty much just dad or daddy um when you mentioned chef though the one of the things I thought about, you know, as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, a lot of people call the Chiefs the chefs. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so remember that Snickers commercial? Where yes. The guy messed yes. up the uh, the end zone paint job. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm not as much of a cook as you are. I like to eat it, not make it. But uh, certainly um, I'm a big, big Chiefs fan or fan of the chefs. So maybe I'll go that way if uh, if I, if I need a nickname. There you go. Yeah. So anyway, so that, that's funny. So that was a, I don't know, what else did they get me? They gave me a couple other little things. Uh, so all some grilling utensils. Cause again, now that I think I'm a professional smoker, they got me some more, some more grilling utensils and I got my shirt. So there you go. All right, Jeff, the final thing that we are going to talk about in the LPL Marcus Signals podcast while I'm wearing my chef shirt, we downgraded technology <clears throat> recently here at LPL research for years. We've been bullish. I specifically remember after the election in 2016, when President Trump you know, surprisingly won at that time, everybody said, listen, Bezos and him hate each other. Trump's going to go after big cap tech. Tech was weak for like, I don't know, you can go back the first two or three weeks after the election. Tech was one of the worst performing groups. Just about everyone said tech was going to be weak. All right. It was strong into it. You were one of the only equity strategists I remember at that time. And maybe I'm biased because we worked together, but I know you were on a limb. You said, no, no, there's a lot of positive still to tech and you shouldn't abandon it. You made an amazing call that helped our, our advisors and helped our clients. We continue to kind of have an overweight to tech and growth, um, you know, for, for the most part, but really tech specifically. Now, here we are several years later and we just downgraded technology. I know, let's be clear, we downgraded it from overweight to neutral. So it's not like we're just going underweight and you know saying throw it away here. There's still positives. But Jeff, kind of walk me through why, I mean, we as a team made the call, but you're the equity strategist. In the day, it was really your call. And did you lose much sleep over it? Because I'll be honest, this is a big call and it's it probably a little uncomfortable. So tell us about why we did that. Oh, yeah, it was very uncomfortable. Uh you know, we use the acronym FOMO, right? Mm-hmm. Fear of missing out. And, and it was 
it was a little bit like that. I mean, tech's just been so strong for so long. We've been somewhat of a cheerleader for so long. I, I think I think our our tech love kind of went back like pre twenty fifteen. Right. Um, been a, been a really long time. Kind of similar to the you know developed international view where we didn't like that for many many years. Um, it's tough to change a, a long held view. Um, but in the end, you know, we just thought this the cyclical value rotation as economic growth accelerates was going to be powerful enough uh, that, um, you know, the financials, the commodity areas, industrials can do better than tech, even though tech's fundamentals are, are really um, still still quite strong. And, um, you know, the easiest way, I think, to put that in numbers is just just look at the growth index versus the value index in terms of what earnings growth we're going to see this year based on current estimates. You know, north of 40% for value and, you know, high 20s for growth, right? So we're going to see, um, you know, great growth, earnings growth all the way around, but probably much stronger for the cyclical value sectors, including tech. Good, good points there. You know, from just a technical point of view, and again, on the YouTube channel, we're sharing it. Um, or, or, or no, yes, yeah, versus the S&P 500, sorry. I mean, it, tech's been shopping to sideways relative to the S&P 500, uh, for, for almost a year now, you know, and, and again, this isn't super surprising. Now, but here's the here's the caveat to it, Jeff. So valuations are high, technical trends been weak, we make the downgrade, and then all of a sudden, you know, almost like clockwork, you know, tech to had a pretty decent sized bounce relative to everybody else. I mean, tell me one more time why we think this is just a little bit of a blip after what the Fed did and the surprise move lower in yields. Um, you know, you still feel comfortable with this call, I guess, is what I want to say. Oh, sure. In fact, maybe even more comfortable. You know, we're sold into a little bit of strength, you know, a little after a little bit of a bounce. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, obviously, we didn't perfectly time it, um, given what's happened over the last few weeks. But, um, you know, at this point forward, if interest rates move higher, which is our view, and certainly the economy uh, is expected to deliver the really strong growth that we've been talking about on this podcast for months, uh, that is a formula, we think, for better performance from financials and energy and materials and industrials, right? That whole complex is probably going to move together. So it's not that tech's going to do badly. Um, it's just we think there's more upside in those cyclical value names as the um, as this cycle continues. Yeah, I mean, I think we've said it many times. I know I've said it on this podcast in different places. There's 11 S&P 500 sectors. I'd say tech is like, you know, fifth or sixth. It's not like we're throwing it out here. I mean, there's still a lot of potential. I mean, you said what, tech earnings would be up like 40% in the second quarter, um, I believe. Uh, you know, so some real solid growth still coming there. And if we see um, a surprise weakness, say, in the economy where uh, things slow down a little bit more, maybe more inflation, have to hike rates a little bit more. Um, that we saw what happened last week with the, the, the fears of those things. We might see some movement back into technology. And again, that's what we saw last week. Um, and that could be an area, again, you don't just want to totally ignore. But after a significant outperformance for a long time, and then honestly, over the past year, relative to the S&P 500, as we're showing on the left side of the chart on the YouTube channel, it's not like tech has done really all that much. So a really, really interesting conversation. My last question again, I mean, did you lose much sleep over this call? Because this, this is a big one. Yeah, I, I definitely did. It was an uncomfortable call, tough to make. Um, but uh, when you're neutral this sector, you you have 27% in the S&P 500 in tech. That is a lot. So that that helped me not off real quickly after I put <laughs> after I thought about that. 
Um, neutral tech still means own a lot of tech. Just maybe trim if you got a little uh, overweight uh, due to the strength over the past couple of years. Now, one other thing, Jeff, that gets me is, you know, you look at Congress, all right? Congress seems like they're moving forward with a little bit more regulation. And the FTC just hired uh, the new leader of the FTC. I believe her name is Lena Khan. And I've got a playful Wrath of Khan um, image on the, on the slides here. I'm just trying to make everybody in Washington mad at me, apparently. Um, you know, she it has been said, I mean, I don't know too much about her. I'll be upfront, but I read a new New York Times article about her. She's apparently been extremely critical about technology over the years, how big they are, how strong they are, how powerful they are, whatever you want to call it. And now she's the one in charge of the, at least the FTC. That doesn't make me feel overly warm and fuzzy about technology. I mean, technology is just fine last week in the face of this, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, I know this is brand new, you know, I mean, but what's your take on her being in charge of the FTC and, and knowing kind of her past history, the issues, I guess we'll say she has about big tech. Yeah. Her, her parents probably aren't much older than I am. She's really young. Yeah. Um, five years out of law school, I think 32 years old. Um, yeah. I guess her thing is really competition. So if, um, you know, the Fang names, you know, Amazon's probably the one that comes to mind first, but it's yep. it's really all of them. Um, if they're too dominant in terms of their competitive position, she's going to try to, you know, encourage competition. And, you know, that could mean, I mean, and we, we wouldn't predict this, but it could mean breaking up some of these big tech companies, yep. right, to um, maybe encourage more competition or weaken their competitive positions. That's certainly a bad thing. Um, we would say for tech, uh, all in all, although some people say if the companies are broken up, it's actually good for their valuations, right? That the, the sum of the parts might actually be worth less than the whole. Um, so, um, or more than the whole. So we'll see how this goes. I mean, it, um, you know, she still needs Congress, you know, it, it's, um, not, she's, she's not just going to be able to break up tech by herself. Uh, but it's definitely a headwind and it's, it is one you know, other thing on the list of reasons that maybe tech and communication services, by the way, which is half Google and Facebook may have a little bit of a tougher time here going forward. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's going to be extremely hard to, to break them up, but I think more regulation, you know, more regulation is absolutely probably in the cards. And again, the Senate confirmed her last week, it was a 69 to 28 vote. So you point out the fact that, you know, she might bring things to, you know, to, to Washington, but you need, you know, both, uh, you need to pass voting, right? And again, she was confirmed 69 to 28. So there's 28 that said no. Um, I don't know too much about the details as to why. So it does make you wonder, you know, like we saw with President Biden, right? When President Biden won, we knew more regulations and higher taxes were coming. How difficult has it been for some of those things to take place? They're coming eventually. I mean, you know, infrastructure is another big thing this week. There's still more back and forth on infrastructure. And it just seems like it's, so it's inching further away than getting closer is my, my perception. So there's, um, you know, we're going to watch this very closely. Congrats to her. I'm being charged in charge of the FTC and um, we'll just continue to monitor it. But again, it doesn't feel like a tailwind for technology, at least as we talk right now. So Jeff, we're going to finish things up with what's going on this week. Um, you know, it seems like a little bit of a quieter week. Earnings season is still a couple more weeks away. What are you watching? You think could move stocks that our investors should need to know about? Yeah, I'll go where we started. That's the Fed, right? We have uh, seven Fed uh, speakers this week and then Powell as well uh, on Tuesday. So um, it's going to continue to be a Fed-led market. 
Um, but um, we do get inflation data actually related to the Fed as well, right? Inflation data on Friday, the Fed's preferred inflation measure, which is the core PCE, the core personal consumption expenditures index. So that'll be interesting for May, uh, but really the, it's all about the Fed. Yeah, I mean, so again, there's seven, like you said, seven different uh, Fed members are going to be out there. Some of them are voting members, some of them are not voting members, some will get the headlines, some won't. So that is absolutely going to shake things up. Friday, we saw one of the worst days we've seen in a long time, at least for equities. Um, again, on CNBC, Bullard, um, non-voting member, uh, was out there saying, again, the Fed's kind of behind the curve, the economy is stronger than we thought it was going to be, inflation is stronger than we thought it was going to be. He's one of the more hawkish Although he's not a voting member, he is next year. Um, and then Kashkari, Neil Kashkari, was out sometime on Friday and said, no, no, we need to leave rates 0% until 2024. Well, <laughs> Kashkari did not get the headlines. We know who did. Bowler got the headlines. I'm not minimizing or maximizing one or the other. It's just interesting what we grav gravitate to and, and take the narrative to. But with seven different um, Fed members speaking, along with uh, Jerome Powell on Tuesday, like you said, there's going to be a lot of narratives that are out there. The truth is this. Uh, the Fed is, um, you know, there's some are more hawkish, some are more dovish. This is the way it's been historically, but obviously the Fed right now is being viewed a little bit more hawkishly by the market. So, Jeff, any final comments from you? Then I'll bring us home. I, I say uh, bring us home. Looking forward to uh, another week. By the way, I'll be on vacation next week, so you're going to have to have a special guest oh. subbing in for me uh, next uh, next Monday. So um, give you, you got a few days to get ready for that. Yeah, interesting. Maybe I'll just have my smoker. My smoker. I'll just be out there talking to myself, smoking meats. That's my new best friend, anyway. So yeah. <laughs> Market Signals we'll Podcast on location. There you go. I'll come up with somebody. That's true, though. So well, let's talk about that just for a second. What's the plan? What are you doing for vacation next week? Yeah, taking the family to Cape Cod. Okay. With, uh, cool. Actually, my my mother's going to fly up and and meet us. I haven't seen her in a year and a half, mm -hmm. so it'd be fun. The kids are really excited about. Uh, Grandma Mimi, that's her nickname, Mimi, yeah. uh, coming up to to see us. So um, hopefully the weather's good. It's supposed to be like high 70s, which is not bad, but I'm hoping maybe that forecast is a little low and we get some better beach weather. Uh, that's, that's nice. It's funny. My kids call my mom Mimi as well. And my two boys and I, literally, as soon as you and I sign off from this podcast, we're going to start getting ready. We're going to the Charlotte airport to fly up to Ohio. I'm going to do like a working vacation, I guess we'll say, uh, this week, but hang out with her. She'll get to see the boys and run around and do stuff with them because my wife and daughter are flying out to California. When Susanna turned 13 last November, we said you can go to California as kind of a present. And one thing led to another, and it worked that they're going to go out to California. So we're just going to go up to Ohio, where I'm from, and hang out with my mom for a couple of days and they're going to go uh emily bought like the behind the scenes tmz tour and you know what would a 13 year old girl want to do you know she wants to see stars right you know hollywood so they're going to stay i got a room right in hollywood and they're going to do some of that stuff and then go to the beach a little bit emily's got a cousin out there cousin sarah so she'll probably I'll let her know she made the podcast she'll like that so she's going to show them around california uh la i guess we'll say so anyway so with that hopefully everyone has some safe travels uh coming up on vacation it is vacation season so hopefully a lot of people are taking vacations right now and with all that we thank you for everyone who keeps listening to this if you want to help us give us a like give us a follow give us a positive review thanks to neil as always for getting this podcast out there um, making it look and sound and feel as good as it can jeff and i need all the help we can get sometimes like i said i came onto this thing with apparently powdered sugar all over my face so without neil saying ryan something's on your face <laughs> would have been pretty funny if you didn't tell me that so anyway, thanks everybody we'll be back next week and i guess there's a mystery guest i'll find somebody it won't be the same but i'll find somebody we'll see everybody next week take care bye-bye this material was provided by LPL Financial. 
is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.